Okay, so today's Bible reading is the entire third letter of John. The elder to my friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and all will go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honours God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we work together for the truth. We'll continue our reading from the top of that one. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephus, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I'll call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. And we also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I don't want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. As we look at 3 John, as Sue's alluded to already in the, in the All Ages talk, we're looking at uh, imitation. Imitations everywhere. Maybe in the, uh, the holidays so far, you've been scrolling on TikTok or Instagram Reels and seen some of those clicking videos where you have to do the clicks to the music, or you've been doing some, watching some of those dance, um, dance videos and trying to copy them at home. Uh, for different songs that you may have never had dance moves to, but suddenly they've got the seven seconds of dancing. Tasha's been doing some with the girls. Um, maybe you've gone to the shops over Christmas and you've noticed it with the teenagers. They're all finished school and they don't have to wear school uniforms. But imitation's everywhere and they still dress all the same, don't they? Um, Rory Shiner is a, a pastor in uh, Perth and he said on Twitter a few weeks back, school holidays in the city. Teenagers have a whole summer out of school uniform to get together in town and dress exactly the same as each other. Denim shorts, Doc Martens, Billy Eilish, English, Billy Eilish, Eilish style tops. I'm not that cool, I can't say her name. But perhaps the greatest example of imitation ever is that of a parent and a child. Maybe you've seen it, maybe as a parent or grandparent, you'll know very well what I'm talking about. Late last year, when we had one of our many lockdowns and work from homes, um, Tasha sneakily filmed... Uh, and got a photo of this. Um, this is Emily, and you can see two arrows pointing to a wooden laptop in the top corner and a cup of coffee at the bottom, and she's on a Zoom call um, doing something with her hands, but imitating Natasha, who was just about to have a Zoom call with Meredith, actually, at that time. Um, imitation is everywhere. And imitation is also important in our Christian life. 
Yes, you're shaped by reading the Bible over and over and over again. And maybe you've started the new year with a Bible reading plan, you know, 365 days in the Bible, get through it in a year. Have you started it? Are you picking up from last year where you left off? And yes, we're shaped by the inner working of the Holy Spirit too, the leading of the Spirit, bringing Scripture to mind, when to talk, what to say, prayer. Yes, they shape us too. But did you know that one of the lesser known means for growth is actually imitation, modeling a Christian life, a life of following God to others, imitating what to do and imitating what not to do. Imitation is everywhere. And that brings us specifically now to 3 John, which is all about imitating what is good. We see that in our key verse, which is in verse 11, and it's the only imperative in the whole book. John says, dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The emphasis in 3 John is that Christian character is as much caught as it is taught. Christian character is as much caught as it is taught. It's a short book that tells us how to live what the gospel looks like on the ground, in our relationships, and how we treat one another. It's helpful, of course, when you read the Bible to figure out what's going on in the time. And so by way of background, just so you know, this is a book written by John, who is called The Elder. He's an old man now. He's a disciple of Jesus. He saw and walked and lived with Jesus himself. And it's written late in the first century. And it's a short book written to his friend Gaius. And John writes this because there's a problem. It seems that Diotrephes is a member of this church, and Diotrephes is, is just being a jerk. That's the blunt way to put it. He's being a jerk to John, and he's being a jerk to all the other Christians as well. Why? Well, he refuses to welcome other Christians who associate with John. He removes them from the church, and he spreads malicious rumors about John as well. And now Gaius, he's part of this church. And typically, Gaius has been a very generous sort of fellow, very hospitable. He welcomes believers into his home as they come past, and he's only ever had good things to say about John. In fact, Gaius has even got a reputation for being hospitable. He's the one that you'd say, I'm, I'm traveling up to this part of, the, part of the place. What should I do? Who should I visit? Oh, go see Gaius. He's the guy. He'll welcome you. He'll look after you. That's the reputation he has. He's hospitable. He's generous. But... John writes because Gaius is a little bit uncertain. Is he doing the right thing? I mean, should, Ga should Gaius now follow the example of Diotrephes and just stop welcoming other Christians? Should he distance himself from those who associate with John? Should he imitate Diotrephes? That's the challenge. And it's into this situation that John writes this letter to encourage Gaius to keep on being hospitable, to imitate what is good, not what is evil, assuring him that when he does arrive one day soon, he will deal with this situation in person. Keep on doing what is good, guys. I know it's hard, I know it's tough, I know the culture is against, against me in the gospel, but keep on imitating what is good. So we'll explore this letter today briefly in three parts, um, broken up by the phrase, my dear friend. You'll see it on, on, on your interview follow-through on the on your Bible. Uh, my dear friend, you're spiritually healthy. My dear friend, keep being hospitable. And my dear friend, reputation matters. 
And after that, we'll explore what it means for us in 2022 to imitate what is good. So, it begins, my dear friend, you are spiritually healthy. Verse 1, the elder to my dear friend, guys, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. You can, you can feel the affection right at the start of this short letter, can't you? My dear friend, it has its roots in love. Moreover, John is not just being kind and polite, but he's actually deeply invested in the lives of those he knows. Because John knows the spiritual temperature of Gaius. He knows Gaius is spiritually the right way up. He's spiritually hygienic. He's healthy. Because of that, John asks that God would grant him good physical health to match. That is, John wants the joy and the health of the gospel, which has changed Gaius spiritually, to transform and translate into all pockets of his life. And isn't that a good thing to pray? I mean, that your spiritual health would reflect all area of your life. You'd be healthy in every way. And we see that in verse 3, because he says, it gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness in the truth and how you continue to walk in it. Reputations are a good thing, of course, aren't they? Especially a reputation for being faithful to the truth of the gospel. But guys is not just known for Sunday holiness or midweek Wednesday night holiness. He isn't known for mastering a theology of God's grace, but for being a man who lives that out, you see. If Gaius was married, and we don't know if he was, but if he was, his wife would say, there is no disconnect between public and private Gaius. What you see, believers, is what I see day by day. His kids would say the same thing of him and his workmates. And that's a good, joyful thing, isn't it, when you see that? I mean, it says, John says in verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. Many, many, many years ago, um, just after I finished high school, I met a man by the name of Rob. And Rob came all the way from the UK in, in a small town and he came to Australia just as a, um, a backpacker. And in Sydney, he, he met Jesus. Jesus met him. And he travelled to Adelaide and he came to the church that I was at, and I got to know him, and Rob was living with someone who was two streets away from me and my parents' house, so we caught up often and hung out together, and um, I got to know Rob really, really well, and he just started his Christian journey in Australia, and he stayed here for about eight months before travelling back to the UK. I thought that was it, never going to hear of him, that was lovely, and then by God's kindness, a few years later, I got to go back to the UK for a wedding and, and see Rob again. And I remember, I mean, this was before social media was popular, there was MySpace, and that wasn't very helpful. Um, I didn't talk to him very much, didn't know how he was going. Was he still a Christian? Had he fallen away? How Was he strong? Was he growing? How was the church? How was his spiritual health? And I didn't know. And I remember on the flight over there thinking, I really want to know how he's going. And I know he's still at the church, but I don't know what, what life, what is life like for him. And I remember getting off the plane, and I saw him at that, later that day, and I said, Rob, how... Because I, I actually stayed with Rob, now I think of it. I said, Rob, how, how are you going? How's life? And he said, oh, life's great. Uh, I love Jesus and things are well. And, and it was, it truly was. It, was. it was a joyful moment to hear that after all that time, he was walking in the truth. 
And it's a wonderful thing to hear and see. But can you see this new category that John's describing here? Spiritual health isn't just you walking faithfully. It's finding joy when others walk faithfully too. The question to ask is, are you too critical of others to notice that? Are you too insecure to delight when others progress and learn more about Jesus? How do you feel when there's good news of Jesus going out and you hear things, God changing lives, you see people around you growing? Are you, are you thrilled to bits for them that they're flourishing in the faith or do you lament silently abundantly your breath and think, gee, I wish that was me or you can't really be certain that they're really saved? I mean, how many of you have said over the years, my story isn't amazing, I'm just ordinary? But you see, that's not a gospel way of thinking. When John writes this, he uses the word, a plural for the word th- um, than. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. John is not just saying, Gaius is the only one that I'm loved to bits, but everyone who's a Jesus follower, I love when you grow faithfully. Let's celebrate the joy of one another walking faithfully that love Jesus more and more. The little wins along the way, those little markers of grace that you see day by day, those moments of joy that Jesus brings, that's part of being spiritually healthy. John's first point is that, my dear friend, I love you to bits. I'm so glad you're healthy. I'm so glad to hear it. It fills me with joy to know you're walking in the truth. And that's something worth imitating today, isn't it? He goes on. He says, my dear friend, part of your walk, part of the flourishing has actually been your hospitality. Just keep being hospitable. Keep being hospitable. My dear friend, you're faithful in what you're doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they're strangers to you. They told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a way that honors God. It was for the sake of the name they went out, not receiving help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so we may work together for the truth. So in Gaius' day, those that traveled to take Jesus to unreached people only got help from the Christians along the way. If it didn't come from another believer, where would it come from? Nowhere. And Gaius' home was a stop along the way, filled with generosity and hospitality and a warm welcome for everyone. And John says, quite simply, just keep doing what you're doing. You are faithful, he says, in what you are doing. And he encourages him. He says, in a manner worthy of God, send them away. It is whatever he does, Gaius, you, just reflect the generous character of God who has a love for strangers. Did you know that? Reflect the love of God who has been so hospitable to us while we were strangers to his grace. I mean, how can Gaius not show that to others? I mean, that's all we need to be hospitable. A life changed by the truth of Jesus. To receive divine hospitality first from the one who for our sake became poor to make us rich. In the heavens, rich. His generosity, Jesus' generosity, is the fuel for our hospitality towards one another. Would you just keep doing that? You are faithful in that? And moreover, he even says that your hospitality, guys, is a way that you work together for the truth as well. Show hospitality that we may work together for the truth. 
Not all gospel workers are going to go, like the Rose, like the Davies, into uncharted territory. Some will just hold the rope, supporting them, supporting one another from their kitchens and their lounge rooms, from the church, from the conference room. That was Gaius. He held the rope, supporting others so they could go along the way and be refueled and refreshed in God's grace. And this is another new category John introduces for us. Gospel work that opens our hearts and hands to help others. That is the work of the Lord. And it still applies today. We ought. But talking about hospitality today is tricky. I think there are two ways in which we don't think through this as well as we should. The first one is that I think today there's a temptation to outsource this kind of hospitality. It could very well be that being prosperous actually hinders and undermines hospitality, genuine hospitality. I mean, you can meet the needs of someone without ever meeting them. You could just throw money at them and, and put them up, up in an Air, Airbnb or give them an Uber or, or point them to another organization, which are very good and helpful and they're, they're great, but you can do that and miss the person along the way. You can meet the needs of someone without actually meeting them. So sometimes we outsource it. And other times we fear hospitality. And this might be just from you don't want someone in your home because of what they might think of you, but I think more often at the moment, this is true with COVID, isn't it? I mean, there's a risk. We can't do as we would normally like to do with house limits. But, you know, that's, that's okay. Hospitality isn't about perfect weather or no obstacles. What if we just need to think differently to see the new opportunities? I mean, even if you can't get out or go on your, have people in your home the way you have in the past, can you still be hospitable in this environment? Yes, of course you can. John is encouraging hospitality for those who love Jesus. And so why not begin today right here and welcome someone new? Do lunch somewhere, grab a coffee, or just remember someone's name so that next week when you see them, you can say, great to see you, how are you? I've been praying for you. Your ability to be hospitable will wax and wane in life. Circumstances, kids, sickness, health, age, travel, holidays, all that stuff. But remember, it's God's grace making us hospitable in the first place that matters. Because when we were not good guests, God took took us in and lavished his love and mercy to us. And he's even gone so far as to make us members of his family. And therefore, in light of that, keep being hospitable. I know you're doing it, many of you, in the way that God has gifted you, whatever that looks like, just keep doing it. But be careful. Not everyone thinks like this. Look at what John says in verse 9 to 11. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I'll call to attention what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Now, satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so, and he puts them out the church. This is a man who is the exact opposite of Gaius, right? This is not someone, by the way, who forgets to invite you over for lunch or doesn't pay for your coffee. This is the story of someone who actively stops hospitality. You notice what he does, the description we have. He loves being first. He spreads malicious nonsense. He kicks people out the church and tries to stop others coming in. His agenda is not one of grace. 
its power, self-importance. His way is the only way. And this is an ungodly thing to see. It's an ungodly culture it creates. And John says, I'll address this in person when I come. John's not worried about his reputation. He can forgive that because of God's grace to him. But the effect that Diotrephes is having on the church as a whole is the problem. The way he treats John is a reflection of how he treats others. This is not a character of someone brought under the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the trouble when you have a diatrophies around your, your church is that slowly, when that culture exists, we can wonder if I should imitate them too. And that's the challenge Gaius is facing. Lest he think that diatrophies is walking in the truth and should imitate him, John writes to say, no, 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 no. Look at what he's doing. This is not someone you should imitate. I'll deal with it more when I get there, but just, my dear friend, reputation matters. It's important. My dear friend, don't imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Don't mimic diatrophies. He's acting in a way that shows he's not seeing the goodness of God. And it's a caution to guys, don't go down that path. Keep imitating good, which in the context is hospitality, loving the truth, welcoming strangers who love Jesus. And don't imitate evil. Don't be like diatrophies. I mean, this is remarkable. Again, we have a new category that the gospel creates here. You may think this is just a simple misunderstanding of being hospitable or not. You know, he, that's his gift. He'll be hospitable. I don't have to worry about it. Just leave him alone. But actually, what's at stake is siding with God, with seeing God, with knowing the truth of the gospel. To not to welcome or show love to someone who follows Jesus rejects the love that Jesus has for you. But John moves on quickly because the trouble when you have diatrophies is you can often think everyone's diatrophies, can't you? I mean, I'm sure you know, if you've been at church for any longer than four minutes, there's a relationship tension and it feels like the whole church is just about that one person when you walk through the door. You know, there's 150,000 people there, but that one person clouds your judgment and thinking. And so right at the end, we meet someone called Demetrius. He's well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth. And we also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. One verse is all we learn about this man. But he has three character references, like you might put on your job description. John, Jesus, and everyone else. That's a pretty good lot of references to have. You see, people like Diotrephes are overwhelming and take time and energy, don't they? Only feels like there's negatives when you think of that. But you know, God is at work in everyone's life, even when you might only see an example of a few faulty people at times. Sure, Diotrephes is loud, but he's not the majority. There are heaps of people in front of me today as well who plod along faithfully, full of the gospel of Jesus, and it's evident in your life. John's point, Gaius, church, look to them. Avoid Diotrephes. Don't think that he represents the whole. See the Demetrius. They're all around. And as you think about that, guys, as you think about Demetrius and all those like him in the church, be cautious about only imitating people from a distance too. 
because distance makes it really hard to see someone's character. The last part, John says, I have much to write to you, but I don't want to do it with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon. We'll talk face to face. John has lots going in his mind, lots of stuff churning around, and he, he says, I just want to sit down with a cup of coffee and talk through it, guys. That's, that's the sense. My letter won't capture it, but here's what you need to know until then. He'd t- say today, I'd rather not have a Zoom. Let, let's not Zoom. Let's, let's, go, let's go for a coffee. It's not that you can't have any joy being online or that long-distance relationships don't work, but the joy that you get is limited, isn't it? And after all, technology has united people like never before. I mean, daily, when I look on on social media, I get a glimpse into the lives of those who love Jesus from all over the world. A pastor from Lebanon, seeing what it's like to live in Beirut, and the the struggle and the craziness of life over there. Or, Or what it's like from an old man in America who's walked faithfully for 70 years and has written hundreds of books, and you just see his love for Jesus and his desire to to love him more year by year. I mean, I can read the books of classic Christians throughout the centuries and be encouraged. I'm part of a reading group when we read with other pastors across Trinity and other churches, some Puritan pastors together once every month. And it's wonderful. But the caution is that distance, either time or location, means I only ever see a window of their house. What do I mean? Well, come to my house and stare through the front window and you'll only see part of what my house has in it. There are bits you just cannot see by looking in the front window, right? But if you come into my home, that's different. You'll see that, you'll see more, you'll get closer, you'll understand, you know why things are put where they are. You'll see the bits to imitate and you'll see bits that you don't want to be like me. Bits to learn from. Because anyone can make a front yard tidy, but... Does the gospel of grace permeate how, to, how I speak to my kids at 7am in the morning or 5.30 in the morning or my wife after work? Does the gospel change the way I think about money? Can people see Jesus in me and his grace and kindness at work in my conversations? Do, they, do you see my sin and the weeds that I struggle with in life? Do you see how you can pray for me and the need for grace day by day? Because the temptation today is to live a Christmas light style of Christianity. You see the nice outside bits that everyone wants you to see. But Jesus is interested in your whole life, online and offline, in person and privately. And part of his grace is a modeling of life with others. As John said, real life, face-to-face meeting of God's people is the best way to learn from and imitate the Christian life. Imitation happens on the couch, from fridge to table, from coffee shop to church seat, and even via the internet. We need godly people to imitate, you see, both online and off. But nothing beats the face-to-face meeting of God's people. And so, my dear friends, as John encouraged Gaius, I want to end by encouraging you to imitate what is good. My dear friends, That is what 3 John is about. May you look for real-life examples of those walking in the truth. And may you know that as you do that, you're someone to imitate too. Emulate worthy Christians. Be a worthy Christian that others will emulate too. Not mimicking a self-promoting peacock like diatrophies. Imitating what is good. Looking for Demetrius. 
celebrating the wins along the way, valuing hospitality. As John said, you are faithful in what you're doing for the brothers and sisters, and by God's grace, it can be said of you too. You are faithful in what you're doing for the brothers and sisters. Why not give some thought to imitation? To imitating Jesus. To looking for others who are doing just that. Because Christian character is as much caught as it is taught. Let's pray. Our great Father, while we were strangers to you, Jesus came, full of grace and truth and kindness. You welcome us in and make us part of your family through what Jesus has done in his life, death, and resurrection. And because of that, we can be hospitable to others, showing the kindness of God to them. So, Father, for all the challenge that this year will bring, may we be people who imitate you, who celebrate what you're doing in one another's lives, who are hospitable and kind, just the way you've been kind to us. Lord, strengthen us for this task, because only your grace is sufficient for that. So may we be a church who love God, love others, and imitate you, the ultimate source of good. May your grace be to all of us now. In your name we pray. Amen.